another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am your host, Chris Peterson. Joining me as always is my energetic, ridiculous, legendary co-host, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? I'm ready to rock. I've been ingesting media for you for, oh, a couple weeks right now. My head is full. My brain is full. I gotta, I gotta get it out. I gotta let the steam out. <laughs> fantastic, I fantastic. Freak out. I can freak out. You know, Chris. Yeah, without this pod, Chris, this pod's life. So just thank you. You know, if I haven't thanked you enough, just thank you so much for inviting <laughs> me to the the uh, podcast and the internet and the more importantly the onstage blog network. Because without this blog, you know me. Just bah, 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 bah. oh, this movie. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Oh, that's the kid that was in Sleepaway Camp One. Bah, 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 bah. You know, just it just keeps spouting out. I just get you got to release release the tension. <laughs> Good. Well, you're welcome. I mean, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I mean, we've been doing this podcast now yeah. for uh, two years, I think, like at least. Um, at crazy, least. crazy to think years, about. Two years. It was two years in like February or something. Wow. 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 Yeah. Well. It's awesome. And folks, if this is the first episode uh, that you're listening to, where have you been for two years? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, what we'd like to do on this podcast is basically break down um, some interesting things that we're consuming entertainment-wise. So whether it's a movie, television show, just entertainment news in general, we have to bring some stories to the podcast. But I have no idea what Ben has up his sleeve, and he has no idea what's up mine uh, on that end. So everything you're hearing is is genuine. Uh, it's, it's This is a genuine conversation. So... Um, Ben, let's get into it, my friend. What do you got this week? All right, let's um man, how are we gonna start with this thing? Um, all right, you know, since we were on the air last, or it might have been right around the last time we were on, um, Richard Donner passed away. Mm. And, you know, we don't go through celebrity um deaths on here as much. You know, it's not that morose, but I felt like Richard Donner has been a part of my life since I was born. Um, whether it be from Superman or the Goonies or when I got older, the Omen and, you know, just all these crazy movies, lethal weapon movies that it's just kind of like been in pop culture and just surrounding everything. Just these giant movies. Like, has he made the best horror movie of all time? Has he made the best superhero movie of all time? Has he made the best kid comedy movie? It's all it's they're in the running. They're in the top 10 still to this day. It's hard to beat like how many iconic things that he made. He pretty much made the formula for all the superhero movies that we see today. He pretty much made the formula for all great kid movies. Chris, are you familiar with the formula for all great kid movies? No, hit me with it. Uh, all kids in the movie have to swear. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Donner. Richard Donner tapped into that. I mean... <laughs> In Christmas Story, when Ralphie says "son of a bitch" like a crummy commercial, <laughs> it's the funniest thing in the fucking movie. It's, I mean, yeah, let's just not even like play around. And then you know when uh, when Chunk is swearing, you know, oh shit, it's it, it's so funny, you know what I mean? And so Richard Donner unlocked this secret and just making these little guys just swear. And you know, you like to think you're of yourself an elevated sense of humor, and you know, mm. oh, I. I went to school for theater. I know sonnets. I got that shit memorized. Nope. Kids swearing in movies is always going to be funny till the end of time. So, uh, and going to be the funniest thing on in the movie overall. So my man was a genius. He's a producer, director, writer, everything. Chris, were you bummed out when you heard about his passing? I mean, he was 91, but just thinking about his body of work was definitely important to me. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
I, yes, the, the short answer is yes. I was absolutely bummed. Um, this is a guy that for for most of the 80s and, and really into the 90s um, as well, like couldn't miss. Like the dude could not miss. Like everything he was doing uh, was fantastic. Even like his not like top tier work, like Conspiracy Theory or Assassins. Like I still love those movies. Like they're fantastic. And love like, them. you Great know, flicks. he he has such an incredible um, kind of IP run. I mean, he really is responsible for, I think, the best Superman movie ever made, period, Superman 2. Um, Superman 2. He's quite possibly one of the best sequels ever made in Lethal Weapon 2. Um, and then also one of the great, like, kind of religious horror flicks, like, that's on the Mount Rushmore with The Omen. So it's like... He had such a cool style. So, and and I, I feel guilty to ashamed and ashamed to say that when I heard he passed, I kind of was like, oh, he he was still alive. Like I had no idea. Uh, he was just someone that I right. in my head thought he had already passed years ago. But um, man, what a career! What an influence! It's a shame that he's not mentioned um, on that like epsilon with along with Spielberg and Scorsese and Lucas and all these other guys that did some of these thrill, you know, thrill blockbuster type movies. Cause when you look at his work, it's like he did all of them. So yeah, it's definitely underrated, under, under recognized, uh, but what an incredible career. I I think so too. And you know, it, I think with in that kind of, I mean, he's a little bit before the New York underground Scorsese, uh, De Palma, Coppola kind of run where like you had the kind of like USC brats kind of division. He was a little older, you know, the Omen came out a little before that and he was definitely a big blockbuster movie man. Don't get me wrong. So I don't, I think he gets glazed over cause he didn't have a taxi driver. He didn't have a, right. something that was pretty hardcore. He didn't make the deer hunter or something like he made movies that were ingested by the masses that were well entertained you know well appreciated critically reviewed well and just watched over and over again is he a cult filmmaker no i think he's too big for that you know what i mean right, i think his stuff right. is mainstream too mainstream but in another sense I, I mean his movies are just i don't know they're just watched over and over again in memory i mean i i know every line in the goonies period like i, I just that's it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i don't know i i i I don't know why he's not brought up in that big pantheon. And I think it's because he doesn't have those gritty kind of hardcore movies that film nerds like. Right. I, I think that's when you get into the discussion of best director of all time. It's like, oh, man, you ever seen Raging Bull? It's like, yeah, I've seen Raging Bull. I've shown it to people. But it's an intense rewatch. You know what I mean? It's not the most fun rewatchable movie of all time. It's like, I, I appreciate what it is. I appreciate the acting. I appreciate everything, the intensity. But it... I'm not going to watch it like 80,000 times in my lifetime, like the Goonies or Superman two or lethal weapon two. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I, I don't know. I, I just think that he's someone that, and from all accounts, you know what I mean? When someone passes away, you get a sense of the relationships that they build in their life. And from all accounts, you just had everyone on the Twitterverse and, and out there on the internet and in person and in interviews, just saying how much of a friend he was, um, how much, of a support he was and of course chris i don't know if i shared that story the the story about the so he's the guy that played chunk in the goonies and how richard donner and his wife paid for his college tuition get out of here really yeah he um he contacted richard 
to and so i think um it, so you can look this up but i think he, um the the kid that played chunk now let me let me see his name i can't call him chunk jeff cohen of course mm-hmm. um he was i think from a single parent family i think he just lived with his mom and he was going to um school and he just uh needed a reference letter and so he wrote this letter about how it was tough growing up with the single parent family and Richard Donner called him personally and said, you know what, we're going to pay for your college. And now he's a successful um, talent um, lawyer out in L.A. and he has a law firm out there. It's pretty wild when you think of something like that and how many people, how many people's lives he's touched on a personal and professional level. And you just get a sense that he was just a good dude. So I just, you know what, Chris, I don't think we do it a lot on here. So I just like to give a shout out, you know, especially with someone that has entertained us pretty much our whole life. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, and also, I mean, a lot of people forget this, but like I'm looking at his IMDb and he had like a legendary TV directing career, too. I mean, when you scroll down, I mean, he directed an episode of like every big TV show in the 60s and 70s from Wild Wild West to The Fugitive to FBI to uh, he did seven episodes of The Twilight Zone. Um like the iron side, like, so, you know, it's funny, like I have a whole new appreciation for these shows after watching once upon a time in Hollywood and, and like and getting into that culture of mm-hmm. like the weekly heavy and stuff like that. And it looks like Richard Donner was like right in the, you know, busy with all of that. I mean, he could have been, you know, that director that was directing um, Leo DiCaprio and in, 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 in getting like that. Oh, totally. That, yeah. that could have been Dick Donner. And so um, that that's just awesome to see that he had this whole career as a TV director in this legendary period of TV before he even got into films. Um, so, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I love the guy. Him, like there's a Mount Rushmore of, of just 80s directors that don't get enough credit. He's on there. John McTiernan's another um, that just like, you know, we that just should yeah. be on a whole different level of reverence and that we don't give him. So. Sadly, we'll be missed, but yeah, great, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Way to kick it off. Um, and actually, I'm gonna stick with movies. I'm gonna switch it up. I was I was gonna go with yep. something else, but might as well. Let you know, we're talking about movies that shape our childhoods and and thrill us. Ben, have you had a chance to see Black Widow yet? I have not. I actually chose to do the podcast tonight with you instead of going to do that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> so no, it's. Uh, I think we're planning on going either tomorrow or the day after. Sweet, sweet. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you, um, but I will say that I loved it. I had a great time watching it. Uh, it's great to see kind of a big MCU type of movie again. Um, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw. I watched it at home with with the, the lady friend. But um, you know, it was uh, it was fantastic. But really quick, the, the thing I want to make sure I mention is, and this is why I want to bring it up, and I, and we can we could talk more details about the movie once you've seen it. But uh, I want to talk about stunt people real quick. This is really Ooh, the thing that I okay. want to bring up. Ben, um, I'm going to ask you, when you see this movie, just not that you ever take your eyes off these things to begin with, but just pay extra close attention to what the stunt people are doing to their bodies in this movie. And I and, oh, and I think... Really? I, yeah. Oh, my God. There are fight scenes in this movie where people are being thrown around rooms. They're being thrown you know, into walls or being punched and kicked and their bodies are flipping and contorting. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, that looked like it really hurt. Like, <laughs> like the way that that person lands, <laughs> like, you know, it's like if I threw you into a table 
you know, eight times and we did eight takes and like seven takes, you land perfectly at the table splits in two. But then there's that one take where you land maybe a little too far left and your body contorts in a weird way when you hit the table. It feels like they use those takes in this movie um, because there is just a a level of brutality uh, on these stunt people that I just, I really have not seen in any Marvel film up until now, which I think is awesome. And it made me start thinking to myself, you know, are we living in perhaps a golden age of Hollywood stunt people because of the fact that like, CGI, you can do anything with now. So you can make people do anything you want. So that almost like ups the stakes for when you've got practical stunt people doing practical effects yeah. on screen. I, just your thoughts on that and in and, and, and thinking about some of the stunt work that you've seen over the past couple of years in, in certain films. Well, you know what? I think, Chris, we, I think at a certain point, and it's hard for me to pin down, it was somewhere within the MCU where they kind of peaked out on how much they could do with just pure CGI. Mm-hmm. It was around, I don't know, maybe around Iron Man 2, where you were like, okay, I think I need something a little more. You know, when all the Iron Man suits start flying in and, and shooting, and I, I'm like, okay, but you know what? I think I need something a little more tangible. And right around that time, there was a shift. And I'm going to point to one movie, Chris. One movie okay. changed this, um, brought us back to why we love the movies, pra- like practical effects, stunt work and i believe that movie is john wick oh yeah i believe when that movie came out and remember john wick wasn't a great movie did you did you did you happen to see it in the theater i did not i did not either i i I was slow to the party too you know that was a word of mouth kind of movie and if i go back and go through how much money it make i don't think it made a lot it was definitely a a word man you got to see this john wick movie and at that point keanu really wasn't i'm not gonna say he wasn't doing well but he's definitely like away from the matrix like all right i think he's done with his run kind of thing mm-hmm. and then at at that point that movie flipped things around like everyone kind of wanted was like okay how come this is the most entertaining movie i've seen in years and then john wick 2 came out and it was just like all right <laughs> and i think at that point i think marvel what what marvel does really well is it kind of looks at what movies are doing You know, I might borrow a couple things from the past, but it looks around what popular movies are doing right now. And it kind of not steals from them, but kind of emulates what makes them great and puts it into their stuff. And I think right now Mm -hmm. we have a great marriage of like you were saying, like the um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier show and stuff like that. I think that was a great melding of cgi and action stuff and chris you know what i i love how the vfx artist reacts on youtube and that gives you a bigger appreciation of like stuntmen and what they think of the business like what do you what do you think chris do you think that we're so you think that we're in a golden age because you like the marriage of cgi and stunt at the same time yeah i just think because of cgi and literally you can make people fly around rooms and bend the body however you want and uh, especially with motion capture, things like that, this this bar has been raised for what the fan wants to see on screen. So when you do have an actual live human body there, um, you, you got to, the, the, the stakes have to be higher now. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, how, we've seen a, a million fight scenes. We've seen, you know, Jackie Chan's a great example of this. We've seen a million fight mm-hmm. scenes that are just pure chaos, that are pure brutality. So, what what else can we do, you know, to to up the ante and make a fight scene look like 
something that's never been done before. John Wick solved it. They said, what if a guy punches with a gun? Like he shoots a right, gun, gun like a guy right, would punch. Exactly. Um, with with Black Widow, it's it's how can you throw someone against a wall and make it look painful in new ways that you've never really seen before on, on film. Um, you know, another good example of this was, uh, you know, Mad Max, like that fight scene with, right. between Mad Max and Furiosa is just like unbelievable. And so, it, and that's using objects. So it's like, you know, hitting mm -hmm. someone with a wrench. How do you hit someone with a wrench and make it look just incredibly painful? Um, so I, I love the fact that we're going through this. And I've got a friend of mine, uh, his name is Jesse, who lives in L.A., uh, who is a stunt, he's a stunt person. That's what he does for a living. And, mm. um, cool. you know, I've seen a couple pictures. He, he has, you know, by by his own admission, he hasn't done, you know, anything huge yet. He does a lot of, a lot of TV stuff. But, um, you know, you well, That's you how see, it works. That's, that's how, how it works. Start, right? That's how you start. Like, he sees, like, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures on, on and videos of him, like, doing behind-the-sets scene stuff. And the way that he just launches his body and the way that they ask him to react to a punch seems to be like a whole new way of doing it nowadays. So yeah, it's exciting. And, you know, it's, it's wonder, I wonder if we're going to start seeing this on stage a little bit differently. Like stage combat um, oh, is going to be taken, you know, a little differently nowadays because of what's happening in, uh, in films. So yeah, no, it's an exciting time for for action films. It's an exciting time for stunt work, and and I can't wait for you to see Black Widow because, um, it's I think it's great to begin with, and I think when you take a look at some of the stunt work, you're going to be like, holy crap, yeah, this is this is upping the ante. Yeah, I I I think you're you're right on with. Well, you know, we hit the golden age of television. Mm -hmm. Are we moving into? A certain golden age again you know a lot of people like looking back at the 20th century as far as film people a lot of people are pointing to 1999 being the mm. last real pinnacle of a wide range of different kinds of films you know very funny uh comedy blockbusters action blockbusters but then you had indie films you had the movie fight club you had a lot of stuff just all happening at the same time Right. Um, so it's really interesting to see where we're going with this, like, because, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still in on the MCU. We've had our doubts about the Loki and stuff, but, um, um, as far as the MCU goes, I'm, I'm going to go see Black Widow probably tomorrow or the day after. So I don't know. I don't know what that is, Chris. Like, I don't, I, I hope we go into more of a practical effects thing. I mean, because the last time that this happened, speaking of Jackie Chan and, um, Sammo Hung, the fat dragon, um, the reason why those guys fight scenes became so creative um, was because they were hitting the end of the seventies where everything was just punch, 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 uh, fight the grandmaster, punch, 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 you know, all those Hong Kong films, all the Shaw brother movies. And they mm -hmm. were just kind of like, how do we make this look different? How do we make it feel there? How do we make it funny that these movies, you know, they might be cool, but they're all end in the serious tone. Like you killed my brother. I'm going to kill you. And it was like, you know, not every movie needs to be so super intense. So right. I think that they had to be come up with something. And then I think we have to come up with something now. So I don't know. It's pretty cool, Chris. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. All right. What else you got? All right. Um, I want to, I thought, you know what, Chris, I love the pod because you always come out with something that I don't think you're going to come out with, but um, let's talk about the Emmy nominations of 2021. Let's do it. That? 
I was, that was my um, next thing. So let's do it. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, the Mandalorian, 24 nominations. WandaVision, 23 nominations. Handmaiden's Tale, 21. 20 for Ted Lasso. 18 for Lovecraft Country. And 16 Mayors of Easttown. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 5. Mm. That's how many nominations. Um, what do you think of that, just right off the bat? Well, I mean, I'm loving it. Number one. Uh, number yeah. two, um, I, 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 I'm glad to see shows like The Mandalorian, shows like Lovercraft Country um, getting recognition because I thought these were two of the, the best shows, you know, on all year. And even like, I, I won't, I won't lie. Like I don't get into shows like The Crown or Bridgerton. So right. like, who knows if those are any good, but like the fact that like Cobra Kai got nominated for best comedy series is like, like I, I'm so I'm overjoyed <laughs> that like it, it almost is like yeah. a certification that we were right all along, you know? Yeah, like actual shows that you, me, and the people that we hang out with are actually nominated. It actually feels good and validating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like I, I like to call them Oscar bait or Emmy bait. These shows are like. He's a, a slave on the run in the Holocaust who struggles with mental disorder. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's such like Oscar bait. It's just like what <laughs> like I've seen it like <laughs> like an actual show that we've all loved. I haven't found one person who didn't enjoy The Mandalorian, even people that were not uh, Star Wars nerds and Star Wars non nerds loved it. Right. And same with, you know, um, I don't know. Same with Handmaid's Tale. That, that show is huge. I mean, people just dig that show. Um, Any kind of snubs that you were into? Yeah, of course, Cobra Kai was great, too. Ted Lasso was a great little show. I thought that was a a phenomenal little show to be nominated. I thought that was such a well-made little show that everyone just enjoyed. I loved loved the shit out of that show. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, there were a couple snubs that I thought, like, you know, in terms of the actual shows themselves, I think they got it 90% right. But, like, if you're going to – if the Nandalorian is going to get all this – praise like how is how is pedro pascal not getting nominated for an emmy for best lead actor in, in a drama like that's yeah. that was one that was like glaring right off the right off the bat and like like matthew rice or rays or whatever his name from perry mason like he was okay like perry mason was okay but he wasn't like he was all right I watched it. he was all right yeah. like he wasn't the best thing about that show so it's like you could easily put pedro pascal right there um same thing for best actor in a comedy series like First of all, what I don't like is how the Emmys does this thing where it's like, okay, in this category, we're going to have seven nominees, but in this category is only five still uh, and things like that. So like with a- Outstanding Actor in a Lead Comedy Series, like, okay, you're going to nominate Cobra Kai. Like, where's Billy Zabka's nomination? Like, why isn't – like, Billy Zabka was incredible in season two. Season, you know, so it's yeah, like, he's, he's really the reason why you're watching it. You know what I mean? Right. So like why isn't – like – no, no disrespect to Keenan Thompson or like William H Macy or Michael Douglas for that matter, but like, there's only five guys in there. There's seven in other categories. Just throw Billy Zabka in there. Like, why? I don't understand what the problem is. Um, the other, the only one that I think got too much love, and I, 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 I really don't see it, is is Saturday Night Live. And ah, uh, that was my next question to you, sir. How did you do that? Oh, because I'm I'm reading over your shoulder. I'm, I'm in you know in your room with, next to you. Uh, what? No, where are you? <laughs> what the hell? Like, 
I have maybe it's me. I don't right. like let's, let's this. Let's hear. It. Come on, come on. Let's hear it. Come on, let's hear it. All right. First of all, the season wasn't fantastic. It was. No. It just wasn't. And listen, and, let's cut him a break. We're coming off of a break, and so I get it. I get right. it. Right. We'll cut you some slack. Um, cut you I don't some slack SNL. This exactly. I don't like that these actors are eligible in these categories. It doesn't make sense to me. It's it's not a, a narrative scripted television show like all these other shows are. Um, in, now, in Chris, ways. correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there like a variety series? Yes. So there's I... there's there's uh, um, there's variety series, um, which which. SNL gets nominated for a year. Right. There's no yeah, there's I, no actors for variety series categories. Oh. So All it's right. almost like they got they feel like they gotta put these folks somewhere, but like like is Do it they? worth like I know, right? Like is it worth seven nomin seven acting nominees? Like the outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series is preposterous because it's two guys from Saturday Night Live and like five from Ted Lasso. Like everybody from Ted Lasso got got a nomination. I love that show, but like when you're nominating like the eighth person on the call list for an Emmy, like that's that's going a little too overboard. Like you couldn't find anybody and from no no Letterkenny, no love for Letterkenny. <laughs> No, Whatsoever. no love, no love, no love for. Oh. I don't think. I don't. I think Hulu as a as a streaming network got uh, shut out entirely. Yeah. On that end. So no, no, uh, no. It's only Sunny. Nothing. Right. It's just. It just like I'm. Yeah. The the love for Saturday Night Live is is overboard by with the Emmys. Although I do think like Bo and Yang definitely deserve an Emmy for some like whatever category he fits into he deserved a nomination yeah, because he carried that know. show on his back this i don't know chris wow he did i mean when he showed, <laughs> when he's on screen he's great I, i'm not gonna yeah. lie but you know um for my money for the consistent funny this year the the the, the segment and usually this has gone in ebbs and flows when i was a kid i loved you know you, you think i'm gonna say one thing but i'm not the what the guy I loved when I was a kid was freaking Kevin Nealon. I loved me oh, some yeah. Kevin Nealon. Yeah. And I always look forward to Weekend Update, even when I was younger. And even when I was younger and I didn't understand all the jokes because I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't know the news and stuff. I still like to act like I did. Now, um, Colin Jost and Michael Che this year, just con over the past two years, just constant funny. You know what I mean? And that's writing and acting in that stuff. So. I if if you want my money, I'm picking Colin Jost and Michael Che over Keenan and Bowen. I'm with you. I'm because, right yes, with you. Yep. Bowen was funny when he's on screen. I was excited to see him. He's funny, but I don't know about consistency. Consistency has nothing to do with him, but there are some stinker sketches on there. Wicked mm -hmm. stinker sketches. And, I mean, did they use Kate McKinnon as best as she could, as they could? You know what I mean? Um I, I don't know. A.D. Bryant, like, I can't tell you the sketch that I would say, oh, remember that sketch she was in? She was so funny. It's like. Right. A.D. Bryant. I don't know. This was, this was A.D. Bryant's last season on SNL, and you could tell from oh. day one that it was the last one because I felt she just mailed in everything that she did this season. Just I, You could see it on her face that, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> like this is it. Um, so yeah, I just, I just some of these nominations I don't get. And like, there's shows that like definitely got, I, I think that are hilarious that definitely got like what we do in the shadows got nothing. 
Like yeah. nothing. And I'm like, really, not a single cast member on that show got a nomination. I thought that was uh, a little, I mean, you know, take out the fifth guy from Ted Lasso and put someone in from what we did in the shadows. Uh, right. You know, exactly. that would be fine. So, yeah, I mean, the Emmys. I mean, uh, they got it right. They got it right. I mean, for the most right. part, but <clears throat> love. All right. This is just might be a hot take, but Lovecraft Country, it started strong. And then it, it kind of just fell in on itself. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. It, I'm with you. It, it started real strong. I mean, I'm all in like first two, three, four episodes. And then all of a sudden it was like, I don't know. I think it went too big for me. I think yeah. it, it tried to incorporate way too much. It was just like, there was like the race thing, but then there's the HP Lovecraft thing. I'm like, you already have enough. You already have me at that. I'm let's do this thing. You know, the, right. the, the historical drama I'm in, but then all of a sudden it became almost an episodic, um, American horror story thing too, but then it also couldn't decide, are these characters going to keep going on or is this going to be episodic? And so it, it gave it got me really confused because do I care about these characters or are these thing are these people going to die at the end of the season? I don't know. I just, yeah, that was my call. I mean, yes, all the actors were great in it, but, and, and I got with you with AD Bryant, but listen, my girl from Queens Gambit's in here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yep. Um, she is phenomenal. She was phenomenal on SNL. Speaking of, great um, and yep. yeah, and also just and Queen's Gambit was outstanding limited series, phenomenal. Uh, so I'm happy. I, I that was my show of the year last year, or my performance of the year last year. So I'm happy. But for me, a performance of the year, it has to be a marriage of good acting plus good writing. Mm -hmm. Like someone could be phenomenal in the you know. I, I bet you, like, the second alien in Plan 9 from Outer Space is a great actress, too, but <laughs> she's not getting nominated for anything, for acting it. her ass off in an Ed Wood movie. I don't, I don't know, dude. You know, yeah. you feel me? Yeah. I feel you, man. All right, so let me do this. I'm going to do a fun exercise with you here, okay? I'm going mm -hmm. to go through some of these major categories, because I was also going to talk about the Emmys, too, so I can do this. Um, yeah. And I, wa I want you to pick not what you think will win, but who you would pick to win. So give me your winner okay. okay. of these nominees. Here we go. So outstanding drama series. We've got The Boys, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, Pose, The Handsmaid's Tale, and This Is Us. Who are you giving it to? Like who I personally think is going to win or like, who if I you, think I If you were the lone voter of the Emmys and you could decide who gets the award. Oh, Mando. I'll go Mando. Yeah, yeah me too. That season Hands was down. I, I think – the season's outstanding, and so you know what I, I so our you know a podcast that we both listen to, Chris. I went back and listened to um, the rewatchables, some episodes that I didn't listen to, mm, nice. um, and they talked about how Toy Story got a Oscar. It's the only Oscar ever given out like this, and it was for like pushing the technology in cinema or something like that. Oscar it was like an outstanding achievement award for changing the face of film. Crazy kind of Oscar. Um, and it makes sense, you know what I mean? Because it's the first full full animated computer CGI movie. Mm -hmm. And the I don't think people understand the technology they're using on Mandalorian season one and especially season two and how nothing you see on that show is real. That's all CGI. Yep. yep. And it looks like they're standing in a desert with a bunch of people. And it's just that is all beautiful technology just right at you that doesn't take it on you know take you out of it it's not shitty green screen cgi it looks great 
Um, and I think they should win something like that. So I, that's why I picked that one for best drama. Nice, nice. All right, outstanding comedy series. Here we go. Blackish, Cobra Kai, Pen15, Emily in Paris, Hacks, Ted Lasso, Lasso, uh, The Flight Attendant, which, by the way, is vastly overrated, uh, and The Kaminsky Method. I mean, should there be uh, an outstanding martial arts series? Yes, but <laughs> if you're going to throw it in Cobra Kai, it's Cobra Kai. It's, it's Cobra, Cobra Kai, Kai all the way. Yeah. There's not a, yeah. I can't remember a comedy series that gave me so many feels <laughs> as that freaking show. And are you kidding? Chris, have we talked about, have we discussed the teaser trailer for season three yet? Are you nope. kidding me? Are nope. you kidding me, Chris? <laughs> Looks incredible. I mean, the fact, the fact that they, it takes, it takes guts to go to, to go back yeah. to Karate Kid part three. Like that's, that's, if you're going to try to make something compelling oh. out of the events of Karate Kid part three, that's, that's writing on a whole different level. And I cannot wait. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you. It's, it's a close tie for me between Ted Lasso and, and Cobra Kai, but that season of Cobra Kai was just satisfaction on a completely different level. And um, yeah. Yeah, loving it, loving it, loving it. All right, um, let's go down to outstanding limited series. All right, here we go. Mayor of East Town, I may destroy you. Wandavision, The Queen's Gambit, and The Underground Railroad. Um, I think I'm gonna have to stick with my guts and go with The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, it's it's it's. Close between WandaVision and the Queen, Queen's Gambit for me, but I, I think you're right. Yeah, the Queen's Gambit definitely gets it for me as well. Um, I, I just think of going back and re-watching WandaVision and how it might be a tough hang. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where, as I just said this, I can picture myself going back and seeing watching Queen's Gambit, and there's a couple scenes I, I really can't wait to watch again. <laughs> Like there was like some things like when it happened live, like when I was watching it, I was like, is this really when the girl takes the big pot bottle of pills? It was just <laughs> out of control. I mean, there's just some things that were so, you know, kind of subversive and just defied expectations in that show in a good way mm -hmm. um, that you just kind of want to go back and just check it out again. I don't know. That was great stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Those are, those are the big ones. I mean, what's interesting is you see, uh, like multiple nominees, like Hamilton got like a crap ton of acting awards. It didn't yeah, end I up getting, that. it didn't end up getting nominated for best, um, you know, mo uh, Sammy limited would that series, be limited or, series or, or movie or TV something? movie, I guess. TV yeah. Movie? TV movie. Okay. Uh, but like, every, well, maybe that would be a little controversial, I guess, I, gu I guess. Yeah, Cause it's I on mean, a stage, I guess. And maybe that's what they were kind of, I could see yeah. them kind of steering away from that. Uh, and then you get like, he had some pretty interesting, Nominees for like the like the guest actor in in X series always makes me laugh because you get people that are like like Don Cheadle in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier got a nomination. I was like, I forgot John Don Cheadle was even in that show. Like yeah, <laughs> I, made... I, when I heard that today, I was like, what part was he in? I, don't even <laughs> I, remember. I couldn't remember. Um, I thought like, they just used footage from the movies, <laughs> right? And like Carl Carl Weathers gets a nomination for The Mandalorian, which you know I don't get. I love Carl Weathers, but I was like, really? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> which, which, oh, and then like, Saturday, like S outstanding guest actor at a comedy series. It's like four, it's four hosts from Saturday Night Live. But what was interesting was the, what I thought was the worst episode of the season, 
the guy got nominated. That was Daniel Kaluuya. And uh, oh, he got we talked about that on the pod, didn't we? We talked about that, about how bad he was. And yet he got he got a nomination. So weird. <laughs> like, okay. You know what? I just feel like you nominate that guy. And like we said, it, it was an unfunny episode. There's a lot of things going on with him. You know, and, and mm-hmm. like I said, I'm watching the his movies for the next 20 years. I don't give a shit. Like, the guy's a great actor. He picks right. a great movie. He, he's, you know... There's a couple people that like are great actors, but then they pick bad. They they don't have good either. They don't have a good agent, or they don't pick good roles. But this guy's picking great roles, and great flicks that are getting nominated, and he's phenomenal in them. So I'm watching yeah. this movie for the next 20 years. But that SNL was rough. It was rough. <laughs> it was well, rough. Like, it was almost like you had to turn away. I was like, all right. It was almost embarrassing. It was like one of your right. buddies was doing something. You're like, ah. <laughs> like I don't know, buddy. I don't know, man. Like. Hey, wasn't that funny? Yeah, it was all right. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was this level of of bad that you're just like, he should never do this again. Like, it, yeah, it's it's no. one of those like, no need to get a second chance. Like, you did it. You're good. You're gonna be fine. Your career's gonna be amazing. No need to revisit this. No need. Um, you know, he does he doesn't need to become the next Alec Baldwin on the show like we were doing it 16 times. Like, we're good. Five timers. Oh. <laughs> It'd be great. I mean, it's great content for our podcast, but it is. It is. I don't know if so, that's what he wants to do for his career. Oh God, God, David Kluwe. Anyway, um, I mean, there's well, only one. There's only one best five timers uh, SNL award nominee. I mean, there's only one best five timer. Who's that? Right, Chris. Who's your? Who's Elliot Gould? It's Elliot. Of Gould. course, of course. <laughs> I loved how they brought him on for that Tom Hanks uh, Five Timers Club, and like he hadn't hosted the show in like twenty years, but he did it like throughout the entire seventies. It was so amazing. <laughs> Gold. I mean, I love Elliot Gould. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak ill of the man. I'm not gonna lie, I do love if if we're going through the best seventies actors that you love. I mean, Elliot oh. Gould is great. That's a, that's a, that you know what let's let's do that pod let's start a new podcast best actors in the seventies <laughs> that's awesome oh wow <laughs> best seventies actors that never made it out of the seventies that <laughs> they're, they're still I mean, there and and that doesn't count that he's in Ocean's Eleven it doesn't it no, doesn't count doesn't count doesn't count place him in that movie with someone else and it's it's fine whatever <laughs> I love it good stuff man good stuff well I was going to also talk about the Emmy so what else you got for your third one this week all right. My third one. It is a um, off the website Uprocks, up U P R O X X. Good site, love them, love their work. Love them. Uh, I get a lot of content for the pod from them, so I always like to give shout outs to the pod or the websites that I use. Um, and the article reads: "It's been a good week to be Sam Richardson and a Sam Richardson fan." So Ooh, okay. Sam Richardson is from the show Veep. Uh, yep. That's the only thing I would know him from. But recently, he was in two movies that I watched this week. He was in a movie called Werewolves Within that I saw in the theaters, which was, let me just tell you, this movie was hilarious. If you're a fan of horror movies, if you're a fan of kind of like clue whodunit movies or knives out kind of movies, you will love this movie. The dialogue is so fast. The cast was great. So our friend, as you know, Lynette Williams came up here and we went to the movies with our friend Greg and we went. You know, people are still getting comfortable going back to the theaters, but we went to the small theater, and I always give a shout-out to them, the Rome Capital Arts Complex Theater. 
up here and it's the small theater that's where i see all my oscar picks and nominees um we were the only people in the theaters nice <laughs> it was me katie lynette and greg so it was a private screening it was the size of pretty much my basement it was awesome oh this <laughs> cast so, is ridiculous oh, oh my god oh it's you know how there's that guy yeah there is this movie this, this cast is filled with people like oh 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 like people that you know from certain things like commercials and little guest appearances. And there's a couple stage actors in there, Chris. Um, nice. I know who you're looking at. And let me tell you, everyone, and you you get a sense really quick why everyone chose to be in this movie because they get so much to work with. The dialogue is so fast and letter Kenny filled frenzy improv. You have no idea when to laugh. Like I, I can't wait to watch this movie again, Chris, because I would step on so many lines with my laughter inside the theater. Nice. Like I didn't want to laugh because they were saying so many funny things. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how funny and Sam Richardson, he plays this kind of nervous, can't stand up for himself. Main character. He's uh, <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything. So like his intro to the movie, he's like listening to a, how to be a man tape in the car. <laughs> It's this guy saying, you need to be aggressive. You need to be manly. I need to be manly. You need to say things like balls. Say it, balls. And he's like, balls. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Like, the movie's just ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it's funny. I, I haven't been that entertained in the theater in forever. Like, That's awesome. laughing, whodunit. It, if you love the movie Clue, this is an updated Clue. Okay. And you'll, all right. Uh, oh, my God. Just be all in. Just give yourself to this movie. We were laughing the whole time, and it was great to just watch with friend. Great friend movie. If, next okay. time you have like a couple over, high recommendation. So, Sam Richardson's in that one, and then he is in another movie called The Tomorrow War, which came out on Amazon Prime. Oh Chris, yeah, did you check that one out? Not yet. I've seen the trailer. It looks interesting. Um, it's all right. It's I all right. haven't. I yeah, okay. I was gonna say. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's something to put on there. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, so, and then, uh, Chris, he's also in, I think it came out already, um, so there was a show on Adult Swim called The Tim and Eric Show. Do you remember that show? It sounds familiar. Yeah, and uh, the show was outrageous, but he's on, like, this show called um, I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Oh, yeah, the it's show on Netflix. On, yeah. Yeah, and it just looks like a nutso show, and he's on that, too, but... Um, Sam Richardson, keep your eye on this guy. He's funny. He is ridiculous. In the Tomorrow War, he's great comic relief. Um, but Werewolves Within, I'm telling you, this show, this was a laugh a second kind of whodunit movie. This guy is great. He kind of stole the show in the movie, but and it's amongst a cast. You looked up that cast. It's amongst a cast of some. Oh, it's ridiculous. Kids. Yeah, some I indie mean, like kind of film thing. Yeah. The fact that you have like what's she does like the T-Mobile commercials like that gal is yes. in it and like like that's awesome. So and I'm love I like there are people in this cast that I adore just that like you know if if I see any of these people in anything yeah. like they automatically make it better. Like I've like like um yeah. I mean, this is this is great. So yeah, no, I'm gonna definitely check this out. I can't wait. Um, yeah, and it was, it kind of snuck out of nowhere. I saw a trailer. I was like, oh, that looks pretty funny. 
And then when the movie starts going, like, oh, my God, that person. Oh, my God, that person. Oh, my God, that person. And all of them were so funny. And they got stuff to work with. You know what I mean? It's not like mm-hmm. they were just in a throwaway role or something like that. And then the, the T-Mobile girl. Let's wait. Hold on. Can we give a shout out? Let's let's find her real name, Chris. Yeah. What is her name? I, I apologize to her if she's listening. Uh, yeah, no. I she's got an interesting name, this. too. It's, it's actually a kind of – oh, Melina yeah. Weintraub. Weintraub? Weintraub? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I got to tell you a story. So we're sitting here. So it's me, Katie, Lynette, and Greg, right? My friend Greg. Big big uh, Star Wars guy. He's the guy that does the uh, Castle Run every year, going, yeah. starting back up next year. Um, so big film guy. You know what I mean? So we're sitting there. And uh, I see her at first, and I'm like, oh, I, I think it's – or is it the AT&T girl? Is AT&T, AT&T, I think, yeah. AT&T girl. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I think I know her. And I nudge Katie. I go, oh, yeah, it's the AT&T girl. She's like, oh, yeah, from the commercials, right? That's all we said. And there is a – I'm not going to say it's a sex scene or a nude scene, but there's a sexy scene in it, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, oh, all right. There's just a scene where she's acting a little sexy and, like, the the one of the characters digs her. All of a sudden, my friend Greg, <laughs> he reaches back. He touches my leg. I go, what are you doing? He goes, dude, I have – she's my – she's the AT&T girl. I was like, oh, yeah, I said that to Kate. She goes, dude, I have had – the biggest crush on her for fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, really? He goes, yeah, dude, this is fucking amazing. I was like, are you, what's going on? Do we need to leave the theater? Do we need to leave you guys alone? Right now? <laughs> it, like it was such a random casting. He had no idea she was in this movie and it's like his ultimate celebrity crush right now. It was hilarious. So, amazing. but she's great in the movie. I just had to tell the story. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know what? I think as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to put this thing on Amazon and uh, and laugh my ass off. I can't wait, man. This is good. Uh, yeah, no, just you know, Sam Richardson, one of my favorite guys, phenomenal on Veep. Oh my god, like, uh, and he just he's he's a guy that just his his improv skills for dialogue is just off the chain. And um, yeah, like it just he does. This, there's a show called Modoc on Hulu, which is made for the same guys that do Robot Chicken. Oh, so just, oh, that's him. That's him. Yeah. Oh shit. So he plays he plays like the guy with one arm that like <laughs> Yeah. So like you're just listening to him and Pat Oswald go back and forth with each other. Like there it's just phenomenal. So yeah, Sam Richardson, one of my favorites. Um so yeah, I can't wait, man. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh all right. So for my uh final story this week, um, Ben, my it's summertime. We're kind of at the height of summer. Um and yes. uh this summer my son is doing like camp for the first time ever. Like he is doing a day camp in the wilderness. Same here, like, bro. Same here, yeah. bro. So we're doing a, a YMCA camp, which by the way, Ben, uh, I was yesterday years old when I found out what YMCA actually stands for. I had no idea. Uh, it stands for Young Men's Christian Association, which I was like, whoa, okay. I had no idea that's what it stood for. And that makes the song even more ironic. Oh, really? Um, you know now so um <laughs> yeah that's what you, uh, yeah that's what the why the song is so funny <laughs> it's like okay i get it now i get it um so but it's my, about my... kneeling down to pray <laughs> to pray oh jesus right. um so needless to say my kids having a blast did i like take these... it too far I take you it took it far? you took it a little far um <laughs> We just lost our Christian uh, demographic. Oh, um, like <laughs> our 70s Christian demo? Our, our Elliot Gould fans are out. <laughs> <laughs> out? They were in when we mentioned his name. 
but now they're out. They're right. Like, right. Now, now, now I'm out. I hate these guys again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so he's in the wilderness. He's doing all the, the camp things like, you know, climbing on walls and uh, kayaking and doing all these things. And he's having an absolute blast. He's making friends and things like that. Um, and I remembered that, you know, in my youth, um, I, I did not do those camps because um, I hated them. I hated being outside and doing what, what are you all those talking things. about? I was not an, I mean, I did. So this is what I was going to ask you. Like, did you do camp as a kid? Which camps did you like doing uh, things like that? I was not an outdoors camp kid. I was a um, like sports camp kid. Like I, you know, I went to tennis oh, okay. camp. I went to um, baseball camp. I went, you know, so it had to be, surrounding a sport or a certain type of act never did theater camp but it had to be like i never did that either i mean i feel like we're on a theater podcast we're on a theater network and both of us didn't go to theater camp do you know anyone that did i do and i don't like them Uh, i don't like anybody everybody who i've met who's gone to theater camp uh i don't like so there you go maybe it's because they went to theater you know what we had a we had a theater class at camp you know what i mean they would we put on a show or something like that, but that's a little different. You kind of find the four theater people up there at the camp. Right. You know it's, like, it's, like Hot, it's like Wet Hot American Summer where you're doing like, you know, they got right. you know, the section. <laughs> How dare you usurp my authority as a director? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, yes, Chris, I am a giant camp nerd. Um, so, and I think in third grade, I started going to day camp around our kids' age. Um, and my mom was an art teacher there, or an art counselor there. So I went there. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it was at Camp Mountain Mist, which is right at the north side of Meriden, I believe. And then we, then I got a scholarship for Camp Claire in Lyme, Connecticut, oh, which nice. is near Mystic out that way. Um, so I went there for one year for free. I got a scholarship somehow. I just got entered into this thing in fourth grade. Went there like pretty early on, fourth grade, maybe I was nine or something like that. So I went when I was a really little kid. Fell in love with it instantly. I just loved, I don't know, being away from my parents. <laughs> and I love just hanging out with friends and staying up and just doing cool stuff. Um, and, of course, being around girls. That was awesome. Oh, and then I went there for two or three years. Then I went to my dad's alma mater camp, which is Camp High Rock in the Berkshires. And that's oh, why yeah. I moved there because we kind of are all really familiar with it. So I went to camp starting at, like, age 11 all the way up till. 18 and went back to college like went through it until i was a counselor and the whole thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so i am a giant camp kid and then pretty soon it just blossomed into i was up at camp for the whole summer at, at a certain point so um i think camp is just huge i think it got me ready for um you know college you know what i mean i mm-hmm. think the kids that didn't you know you did sports camp so that's enough you know what i mean so you went away um i did basketball camp and stuff but i don't know i think the kids that didn't do any kind of programming they kind of struggled right when they went to college. If they, if you were with your parents your whole life and you never went away somewhere, I think you're failing out freshman year, first semester, because you're not making it to the 8 a.m. English core. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first thing you smell, a bu- the first time you smell a Bud Light and you're like, oh, and then <laughs> you're off to the races. You ain't waking up for a Thursday morning English core to talk about Tom Sawyer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I yeah, no, so, I just, yes. yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, like, I remember, like, my school, um, like, we did, like, a sixth grade trip where we literally just spent the night at a campsite and slept in these, like, 
you know, cabins. And I was like, I, I hate all of this. Um, I did <laughs> one, <laughs> I did one trip uh, the summer going into my uh, uh, freshman year of high school. Uh, we did a trip up the Allagash. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Going into my sophomore year of high school, we, we did this trip up the Allagash river in Maine. And it was like this week long thing where like, it was like eight of us from my school and like we, it was kayaking. So we just kayaked up the river and um, I hated it. I was like, this is, I hate all, <laughs> I hate all of this. I hate being outside. I hate sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. Like I just was like, <laughs> I, was like I was so angry at nature and I swore to myself, I was like, okay, I've done this. I spent a week in the wilderness kayaking. I'm never going to do this again. And, and true to my word, I've never you done sound it again. Like you sound like the villains in Pink Flamingos. Do you remember the villains in the movie Pink Flamingo? <laughs> yes. And like they're walking in this one scene, and they're like, "Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna find." Uh, oh, I forget her, her name. I forget Divine's name. And he's like the most disgusting person. We're gonna find her. We're gonna take our title as the most disgusting person. And they're walking down like a like a path. And he's like, "Oh." And there's like a bird chirping. He's like, "Oh, bird. So disgusting. Nature is so disgusting." <laughs> Yes, I I, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's a spot on. Remember, Mick Stoll has the pink hair, and her, her uh, husband has the blue hair, and, uh, and they have matching pubic hair too. Yeah, I remember that. God, well, you know, talk about talk about directors. I know don't get enough credit, by the way, uh, Mr. John Waters. Oh uh, yeah, Chris, laughing <laughs> Waters. Um, Chris, can we can I wrap up things? I got just a couple quick. Quick stories. Please, please. I saw these. This wouldn't be like enough for a talking point, but I think they're important to kind of put out there. Um, so, Chris, as your text messages were flooded last week, uh, the, the the Internet was on fire with uh, Fast and the Furious memes. <laughs> uh, and uh, Shang-Chi, the star of the um, – oh, the Shang-Chi star, Simo Yu – Post some hilarious Fast 9 family memes, so he's into it, too. Um, that's my first thing, because so everyone's posting that shit. Um, also, check out this one. Rob Zombie is building an exact replica of the Munsters house for the movie he's making. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Which, um, expectations for that? What's Is it going to be a comedy? Is it going to be scary? I don't know. What's going I, on? I'm in, though. I'm in. You, I'm you in. see Rob Zombie and the Munsters. Or, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. That's amazing. The guy made the song called Dragula, which was, you know, Grandpa Munster's car. You can't beat it. Um, and then for my final last one, Chris, have you seen the trailer for a movie called Lamb? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, are you familiar with A24 Studios? Of course. Yep. They do a lot of horror movies and indie movies, right? Um, I believe, are they the guys that do the, um, the Ari Aster movies? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, there's this movie called Lamb, right? And it's at, is it at Cannes? Is it Cannes? Yep, Cannes yep, going on Cannes Film Festival, yep. right? And so the trailer looks nuts. The trailer looks like, kind of like, um, what was the Ari Aster movie? What was um, um, the Sunny movie? What's, uh, freaking, what do you call it? Oh, Midsummer. 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 Midsummer, yep. This movie, yeah, this movie looks nuts, Chris. It's called Lamb. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with it. I mean, I could tell you to go watch the trailer, but that's not going to tell you anything. <laughs> it's one of those trailers <laughs> where you, you're more confused b before you when you started. Um, oh, my God. Look at this. I'm just looking at stills. Yeah. Well, so it's the chick from Prometheus. She's in it. Okay. Um, yeah. And 
one of the first reactions out of cons is lamb is called <laughs> lamb is batshit crazy. <laughs> That's the first reaction. Um, wait, wait, there was, there was, um, hold on. There was one review. <laughs> Here we go. Lamb takes a low-key minimalist approach to its premise that invites a certain shock and awe reaction before doubling back to give it purpose. Ooh. So, I mean, that review is nuts. And just, I, I, you know, Chris, I love horror movies. I love movies in general, but I love batshit crazy movies, and that's what we're into. So I cannot wait for that one. So that is a high expectation one. So I just wanted to break those three little quick stories off at the end. That's awesome. Well, also real quick, too, about Khan. Um, apparently, yeah. uh, Wes Anderson's movie, The French Dispatch, got a nine-minute standing ovation. It is now everybody's saying this is going to win Best Picture. Uh, this is it. Uh, yeah. I cannot wait. I can't I, wait. I, ever since that was announced. I think there was maybe like, was there like a teaser trailer last yep. year or something yep. like that? Yep. And we just said, I think we said on the podcast, I was like, get ready. Like, this is going to be a big thing. I mean, when Wes Anderson goes back to real life, people not, I mean, I love his animation stuff, but this is his return and I cannot wait, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, this is where it all comes together for him. I think, you know, he, he, he got close with the Moonrise Kingdom. He got close with the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, but this is like, this is where all of, I think it's, it's going to happen. So I, I can't wait uh, on that end. So with that said, I, I think the, the plot, yeah, the plot and everything, I think this is where it all comes together and this is his wheelhouse and yes, I, I I'm all, I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's do this. Let's go YouTube my friend. What do you got? Woo! All right, bro. Here we go. Let me get this loaded up. All right, here we go. All right, Chris. There was a certain sporting event that happened this week. Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, end of last week. They're calling it the greatest thing that ever's ever happened inside the sport. We're talking about the greatest Frisbee golf shot ever, ever to have happened inside the sport. They're calling okay. it the greatest shot. Have you okay. heard about this? No, but I'm going to look it up. Okay. If you type in greatest Frisbee golf shot of all time, it'll come up with a two-week-year-old video. I mean, this just happened. So, just like similar to golf, we're going into the 18th hole. Mm -hmm. uh, one guy is down uh, one stroke or ahead one stroke. And just like in golf, you have to force an overtime. Okay. One guy is ahead of stroke, so he kind of just lays it up for an easy putt in. This my man, James Conrad. And it's against Paul Macbeth. These guys, if you watch any Frisbee golf, these these are the two guys that you're just watching. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. you watching it? James Conrad oh! sinks. <laughs> <laughs> he juices it to force a playoff in overtime and then wins the overtime. Amazing. Look at that it shot. Is, yeah. A blind shot. He's looking directly into the sun. He can't see anything. There's at least 1,100 people watching. It is... I don't care if you're not familiar with the sport, but if you're familiar with sports, um, if you ever go frisbee golfing and try this thing out, you'll see how hard it is to throw these freaking discs. You'll be like, oh, my God. It's as hard as sinking a putt from that long. It's pretty awesome. And so, Chris, this was one of the greatest events. I watched it not live, but I watched it the next day with the kid and uh, Katie Cat on the couch. And we're sitting there, and we jumped off the couch. Like, we have been watching. You know, I put it on in the morning, and we just jumped off because we were just like, oh, my God. Like, And everyone freaks out because that doesn't happen in the sport. It's just – it's similar to someone chipping in like a 
long ass putt for a tie off. It was pretty awesome. It, it reminded me of when Tiger did it to Phil Mickelson. Uh, I think that was like 2008 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, um, it, it had remnants remnants of that. It was just pretty wild. So, Chris, I, I think this sport is just growing. I know you know that I'm getting into it. You see the pictures yep. online and stuff. Yep. And I think a lot of people got into it last year because of the pandemic. It was the one thing you can get out of the house, be distant from people. You're just walking through the woods. So um, they're calling that the great. And it was during the world's championship. So it oh wasn't just God. like a round. So just imagine <laughs> like the world championship of your sport and you sink that. It was it was pretty awesome. And I so I encourage everyone to watch the final round. So if you go on to uh, it's an hour and three, the 2021 Disc Golf World Championships final back nine lead. That's mm-hmm. how you can watch the whole round and just watch it. The build up. It's pretty wild because um, the guy that's in the lead, he's just kind of he's in the lead the whole time. He's just kind of phoning in, like keeping the lead. It's pretty awesome. And then yeah. finally. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was about to say, and also there's a um, channel here called Jomez Pro. Jomez Pro. Um, they do That's the- amazing breakdown. They, they're showing multiple shots of this thing. They have like a trail on the, the actual Frisbee. So you can see how, how he curves it around. Like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, ridiculous. Great, great check. Great, great selection, my friend. Yeah. And Jomez Pro, if you subscribe to them, they'll come out with their new <clears throat> rounds. And so it's something really good to put on in the background when you're just getting ready with the kid in the morning. That's my favorite thing to do. We put this on, you know, it's it's kind of in the background, but you watch some great shots. I know we get more into it when we're going out there. It's it's kind of great. And then, so I just have one more. Please. I don't know if you um, saw this, but it's Tenacious D came out with a video. Stop it. And it's them doing the Abbey Road medley. Are you familiar with the end of Abbey Road? Yes, yes. Like, you never give me your money and golden slumbers and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, They remake that in a very tenacious D way. I don't know how they got the rights to it. (laughs) They must have paid quite a bit to do a cover of a Beatles song. It's kind of one of the most ridiculous videos of all time. You need to check that out. Uh, Everyone needs to check that out. It already has 1.1 million views in a week, so check it out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Good to know. Good to know, man. All right. Well, for mine... um, Real quick, um, I just yeah, it's it's a channel called About to Eat, and anybody who likes food, yeah. I, and like these like nice like five six minute videos that just deep dive into like how to like you know you got twenty pounds of potatoes, what do you do with them? And this video kind of shows you like how you can get really interesting, or like what is it like to like watch a Michelin star chef do a dinner service and things like that. Like that, that's what this channel is all about. They've got some great content. Um, it's not, it doesn't feel like that traditional, like stereotypical food recipe type channel, even though they do a couple recipes, but it's not like, you know, kitschy in a way. Um, it, it definitely is, is oh, awesome. There are a couple of guys from the, there are a couple of guys from the worth it videos. Yes. Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, hooked on to them um uh with a couple videos that they did that um one of mine is like you know one this this one video it's a 13 minute uh, video of a guy eating like 150 dollar omakase from a sushi restaurant or um there's actually it's actually a great rest video of like how to eat sushi because apparently we've been doing it wrong and it's this great six minute video that just shows you like this is how you're actually supposed to position the chopsticks to dip it into soy sauce and stuff like that. So I, I love their stuff. It's, it's really fantastic. They do, they do this really great review of, of kitchen knives 
it's like, do I, you know, it's the title is like, do I really need a $500 kitchen knife in my life? Um, and they, they kind of go through all this stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's an awesome channel. I definitely recommend it. They've, again, they've got some great content out there that just, that, that really feels like I'm watching like onstage blog, but for food, because they're just taking the food industry and doing different topics that you normally would not see on a food channel. And I, I just, I, I enjoy the shit out of it. So about to eat, that's it. Excellent, dude. Yo, I'm I'm all in on. I love those guys, and it looks like they've kind of moved over to that channel. Yeah, so. yeah, looks like it. So yeah, um, good stuff, man. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. But Ben, any final words or messaging or anything you want to let the people know before we sign off? Uh, coming up, I'm gonna be kid free for a week. Uh, next week with the kid, you know, he's going to see my parents. So, oh, um, nice. I cannot promote this Shutter app more than anything. We have. And there's there's horror movies on there and crazy weirdo movies because I love crazy weird movies, and we've queued up so many trailers. <laughs> We're gonna be watching, binging crazy horror movies that are not inappropriate for kids. So check it out. Oh, Get on there. what a what a week in the the, the Frawley household! I can't wait for that, man. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and folks, just real quick, I mean, like I said, if you like what you hear, you love the podcast. Uh, and you want to hear more of these podcasts, head over to Onstage Blog, where we have all of our podcasts at the top of the screen there. Um, we've got new episodes of Definitive Cinema, a podcast that I definitely have to get back on one of these days, uh, where yeah. we're going to just break down some really cool stuff um, on that end. So, um, well, that's going to do it for us. Ben, thank you as always. And, folks, we will see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. <laughs>